This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I want you to take your copy of God's Word, and you're going to stand. You're taking your copy of God's Word, and you're going to stand. And we're going to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. We've been preaching a series of messages called Family Feud. Last week, I was real hard on the men. God's Word was. I talked about stepping up as a man. Stepping up as a man. I talked about a man being a leader. And I still believe that. A woman can't follow a parked car. Amen? So that man has to step up. But today we are changing a little bit. Ephesians 5.33, this is what it says. Nevertheless, let every one of you, in particular, so love his wife. That word is agape. It's a deep love. Even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. The wife see that she reverence her husband. I want to talk to you about what husbands want and need. What husbands want and need. A man was very sick. He was very depressed. His wife started getting greatly concerned because he was so sick. He was so depressed. He goes to the doctor. The doctor gives him a thorough examination. After a thorough examination, the doctor says, you can go out in the lobby but tell your wife to come in. I need to speak to her privately. The wife walks inside. He said, ma'am, your husband's very sick. He said, let me make some recommendations. He said, every morning, you got to understand, he's fatally sick. This man could die. But we're going to change things around. Every morning, he needs to wake up to the smell of a delicious breakfast. After he served a delicious breakfast and bathed, gets ready to go to work, you need to meet him at the door, kiss him goodbye, let him know how much you love and appreciate him. If he takes his lunch, perhaps you pack him a delicious lunch. When he gets home from work, you meet him at the door. When he comes to the door, you kiss him, you let him know how much you appreciate his work. You uh, tell him, I've got a cold beverage here, the beverage of your choosing. This is simply for you, for all you have done. You remove his shoes. After you remove his shoes and he relaxes a little while, it's time for him to bathe. You set everything up for him to have a bath. After he bathes, you make sure he has a delicious five-course meal. Make sure it's wonderful. After he has that meal, he needs some hands-on. It would be good if you give him a massage. Give him that massage. Get him ready for bed. And as you go to bed, you go to bed at the same time and make sure he has a wonderful, wonderful evening. She walks outside. Her husband says, what did the doctor say? She said, the doctor said, you're going to die. You're going to die. <laughs> Steve Harvey said that every man, Steve Harvey, the family feud, the theologian, the guy that shouldn't be hosting beauty pageants, the guy said every man needs support from his wife. He needs loyalty from his wife. He needs a physical relationship. Somebody said, you show me a man who comes home greeted by a smile. 
encouraged to take his shoes off, to sit on a pillow, arranged on the floor, served a delicious meal, and I'll show you a man who lives in a Japanese restaurant. <laughs> well, what husbands want and need, top five answers are on the board. Number one, honor, honor. It's a proven fact. Research tells us that the number one need, this may surprise you, psychologists, secular psychologists, and Christian psychologists and therapists tell us the number one need that every man has is honor from his wife. But you know what's amazing? 2,000 years ago to the church at Ephesus, Paul told the Ephesian church for the wife to reverence her husband because God in his omniscience, he knew that's the number one need that a husband has. The number one need he has is for that wife to honor him. You know, Proverbs 31, verse 23, it talks about that man who's respected by the elders, by the leaders at the gates of the city. He's respected by the men. And why is he respected by the men? Because according to verse 10 of Proverbs, he's married to a virtuous woman who honors him. I read a Gallup poll, and it said successful marriages. Every successful marriage in America, in the world, each partner rated the other person higher than him or herself. That is to say, in every successful marriage, folks, this is not brain, sur brain surgery. The mate said, I rate my mate higher than me. I'm more interested in my mate's needs being met than I am in my needs being met. Every successful marriage. Now, as I knew I was preaching this month on families and on relationships, I've been reading ferociously. And I read a book by a wonderful Christian by the name of Chip Ingram. It was called Marriage That Works. This is what he said in that book that I totally agree with. He said, it's devastating to a man not to be honored and respected by his wife. If this has been a problem in the past, if he had a father who did not affirm him or a history of relationships in which he's been torn down, he may no longer believe in himself. He'll seek affirmation wherever he can get it. By driving a hot car, getting a scholarship, dating a beautiful girl, getting degrees, making a team, nabbing a high-salary job, acing a project, and on and on and on. Affirmation feels like love, but it isn't. It doesn't fill a man up. A husband will be on a never-ending search for it unless he gets it from his wife. Every man has a desperate need for his wife to step in and believe in him and to honor him. Mark chapter 6. Look what the Bible says. It's speaking about Jesus. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. Get this. 
And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence have this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? the brother of James and Joses and Judah and Simon. So Mary had children after Jesus. She had four boys, and look, and are not his sisters here with us? Had at least two girls. But now look, and they were offended at him. Look at verse 4. But Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin. Look, and in his own house and in his own house. And he there could not do mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Wait. So Jesus was restrained. Jesus couldn't do many mighty works because he wasn't honored. Let me ask you something. What could your husband be? You said, Pastor Benny, he's not what he ought to be. But let me tell you something. What could he be if you honored him? What could he be if there was a standard that you said, no, I'm going to honor him. And perhaps he'll reach that potential. See, your husband has potential. But the fact that you're not honoring him could be restraining that potential. Think about what Psalms 22 and 3 says. It says, but thou art holy and thou inhabits the praise of Israel. See, here's a catcher. God lives in houses that praise him. That's why it's so imperative, folks, when we come to church that we praise the Lord. No, this is not some kind of performance. This is not some kind of concert. We're here to worship God and preach the word of God. Now, wait. If God lives in houses that praise him and men are made in the image of God. Men want to live in houses where they are praised. You say, well, my husband, I never praise him and he lives here. No, no, he sleeps here. But he lives somewhere else. He lives down at the golf course because down at the golf course, they say, Vern, good shot. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a desperate need. Every husband has a desperate need for his wife to honor him. Well, think about it, folks. We have sporting events. At the ladies' sporting events, you don't have cheerleaders. They bring the pom-poms out for the boys, amen? Why? Because they figured something out. Apparently, the boys need it. See, see, let me make you one. Men, for the most part, for the most part, are stronger physically. For the most part. Those of us that are bodybuilders, it's obvious. <laughs> Told somebody the other day I'd lift weights if they weren't so heavy. Women, for the most part, are more sensitive. But you know what I believe? I believe many times when it comes to words, women are stronger than men. 
I think because many times words tear men apart. You say, but, 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 but wait, Pastor Benny, his friends cut him down all the time. They say sarcastic things to him. They, they cut him down all the time. Yeah, but he's not married to his friends. He's married to you. That's why you should never cut him down in the presence of his friends. Ladies, come up real close. That's why you should never go to a ladies' Bible study and talk derogatory about your husband. You should never go to a Bible study and talk derogatory about your husband. And let me explain to you why. Because those women, they go home and they tell their husbands. Oh, yeah, I can keep a secret, but the people I tell it to can't. Those women go home and they tell their husbands and then their husbands tell him. That's why you should never talk to your family about the faults of your husband. Because the greatest need he has is the need for that wife to honor him. It's the greatest need. I'll preach today to thousands of people, thousands of people, thousands of people. And normally men and women both would come by and say, I enjoyed the message. Of course, there'll be no women today. (laughs) But can I share this with you? What means more to me than anything is when Barbara says, Benny, you did good. You really think so, Barbara? Ah, you did great. See, folks, my family, we put the funk in dysfunction. I'm not from a church family, as most of you know. I, 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 we didn't. We, we ran nightclubs. I, I, I wasn't in church. So when I graduated college, nobody in my family, on my side of the family, had ever graduated anything. I mean, basically, the celebration in our family, on my side of the family, was when somebody got parole. <laughs> I'm just being honest, folks. You say, well, I'm not from a church background. I'm not either. I, I, I believe sometimes, folks, but we just sometimes we can be too churchy. We just need to seek a relationship with the Lord. That's what we need. Just seek a relationship with the Lord. But I remember the first degree I was going to receive, and I was so excited. Nobody in my family. And Dr. R.H. Brown was the president of the college, and they called out, Vincent Benny Tate. And I'm married to this little girl. Quiet, quiet, shy girl from a place called Prior Ridge, Tennessee. Tornado went through there and did $50,000 worth of improvements. Prior Ridge, Tennessee. (laughs) And when they called out Vincent Benny Tate, those people were seated, but there was one little gal that stood up, and she kicked those arms out, and she said, That's my baby! I'm telling you, folks, it's the greatest need your husband has. Not from everybody else, but he needs you to honor him. He needs you to be proud of him. He needs you to affirm him. Quit bragging on every other man. Start bragging on him. Second of all, top five answers on the board. Number two, he needs opportunity to lead. Opportunity to lead. See, let let me say something, folks. In order for marriage to work, you've got to understand Ephesians 5 and 21. 
submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does that mean? That means for a husband and wife both to say, I want to walk with God and I want to meet my mate's needs. I want to walk with God and I want to meet my mate's needs. Ephesians 5 and 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. Now, let me say something. She's not inferior in any capacity. He's not smarter in any capacity. He's not to make all the decisions in any capacity. There's nothing biblical about any of that. See, let me, let me explain. You don't need to be inferior from you don't need to be inferior of anybody. Let me explain. You say, well, he's a doctor. He's a lawyer. He's a politician. He's the president of the United States. You're not inferior to the president of the United States. You've just got a different function. And that wife's not inferior to her husband. She's just got a different role. And his role is to spiritually lead that family. And let me explain something to you. God put inside every man the desire to lead. So look, if the wife won't let him lead at home, he'll go down to the civic club and he'll lead. He'll go to work and he'll lead. He'll go down to the political rally and he'll lead. He'll find a place to lead because God placed that in a man. Now, there's no way, folks. I, I read this week that for every dollar a man makes, a lady doing the same job makes 76 cents. I said, that's terrible. That's terrible. That's so unscriptural. Pastor Benny, is a woman better than a man? A woman is better than a man at being a woman. And a man is better than a woman at being a man. You say, well, Pastor Benny, I'm a little confused. I, I don't really know what I am. Well, I, I'm just a simple guy. Woman, woman, the root would be womb. Yeah, Harry, if, if, if you don't have a womb, <laughs> you're meant to be a man, Harry, not Harry. You need to be hairy because that's who God created you to be. All the nasty emails will come in now. <laughs> See, folks, this whole deal about the opportunity to lead, that man can't lead unless that woman provides a vacuum for him to lead. It's not an act of your will. It's a condition of your heart. That's why Ephesians 5 and 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Years ago, Barbara and I were going to get married. The night before, we're getting married the next day. She calls. She says, Benny, I've changed my mind. I said, what do you mean you've changed your mind? She said, I don't want to marry you. I said, Barbara, what's going on? She said, well, my dad's checked your family out. And my dad's he was a good dad. He was a good man. He said, my dad doesn't want me to get in a family like yours. 
And I said, let's talk. And we started talking. I always had the gift for gab in just a few minutes. She said, I'm ready to marry. I'm ready to marry you. Why can't we do it tonight? But anyway. But her mother said to her, now, Barbara, he's a kid. But you understand something. The moment you marry him, things change tomorrow. She said, what do you mean, Mama? Tomorrow he becomes your spiritual leader. Tonight he's not. But tomorrow he is. And Miss Renice Roberts did me a wonderful favor because she taught her daughter what the Bible teaches. I'm not talking about dictatorship. I'm talking about a husband loving his wife. I'm talking about a husband loving his wife and saying, I want to love you because, folks, I really believe it's not hard to submit to a loving husband and it's not hard to love a submitting wife. It goes hand in hand. <laughs> Top three answers on the board. Number three. Physical relationship. Said, <laughs> so, Pastor, where do you get that? First Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. I want to say something then. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. I want to say something. God's provision, God's provision for physical relationships is a husband and wife. God's provision for physical relationship is one husband and one wife. That's the plan of God. And let me say something. A woman shouldn't apologize that her greatest, she shouldn't have to apologize that her greatest need is security. She shouldn't have to apologize that her second greatest needs communication. But why should a man have to apologize because he has a need to be honored and he has a need for a physical relationship. As I've researched this, I found out something. When a physical relationship takes place, it raises a woman's estrogen and it lowers a man's cholesterol. What are you saying, Pastor? Get healthy, get healthy. <laughs> and all the men said, Amen. Amen. One guy said, best message pastors ever preached today. <laughs> All joking aside, it's a proven fact that men are more motivated on days that begin with T. Tuesday, Thursday, today, tomorrow, Tatterday, and Sunday. Amen. <laughs> it's wrong to control or punish your husband with this. It should be our desire. I want to meet my husband's need. Five answers on the board. Number four, companionship. Companionship. Pastor, where do, where do you get this need for companionship? Well, it's in the Bible. Look what Genesis 2.18 says. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a help meet for him. You know, I researched that. That literally means a companion. It means a companion. Think about it, folks. When you, when you were dating... You did fun things together. You went into his world, and you wanted to do the things that he enjoyed doing. Many times after you get married, you're no longer his companion. You no longer do those things together. Here at Rock Springs Church, we had a basketball team years ago, and I was on the basketball team. We were 0-11, and, and we weren't as good as our record 
But I would go to those games, and Barbara would stand up in the crowd. I'd look up in the crowd, and there she is. We'd get in the car and drive home, and she'd say, Benny, you did great. You were the best one out there. You were the best one. I said, Barbara, I would have been if they just let me in the game. I said, how could you tell? I could tell when you was warming up, you was the best one out there. I'm talking about companionship. What does a man need? Top five answers on the board. Lastly, peace at home. Peace at home. One man said, my wife's an angel. She's always up in the air harping about something. A man brings his buddy home for dinner unannounced at 530. His wife begins screaming at him while his friend just sits and listens. My hair and makeup are not done. The house is a mess. The dishes are not done. I'm still in my pajamas and can't be bothered with cooking tonight. Why in the world did you bring him to our house unannounced? <laughs> because he's thinking about getting married. I'm not saying today that every husband's everything that they ought to be. I'm not saying today I'm everything that I ought to be because I'm certainly not. But I'll tell you something. I'll tell you how you can change your husband, and I'll tell you how you can't change your husband. You can't change your husband by nagging. You're not going to nag him into something. You're not going to fuss him into something and him continue doing it a long time. You're not going to change him through nagging. You say, Pastor, where did you get that? Well, out of the Bible, look what it says. A nagging spouse is like a drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. You can't turn it off and you can't get away from it. You're not going to change your husband that way. Well, then, Pastor... How can I change him? Well, the Bible tells us in Proverbs, the king's heart's in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. If God can change the king's heart, God can change your husband's heart. God can change your husband's heart. But it won't come through nagging him. It'll come through praying for him. It'll come through praying for him. You won't change his heart, ladies. It's a turnoff to be nagged. I'm a man. I, 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 I've decided what I am. I'm a man. It was never complicated for me. The heart of the king's in the hand of the Lord. Now, let me tell you something, folks. So good about the Bible. And I'm done. I'm done today. I'm done. Some of said, for them women said, praise God. I didn't think he'd ever quit. But he's okay when I was hitting those men hard last week. You know, this week I did something. I just took a lot of time and I studied the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. I challenge every one of you ladies to go home, get your Bible, go to Proverbs 31, start with verse 10, and read about the virtuous woman. The virtuous woman, the standard bearer. The standard bear. It says that virtuous woman, her children praise her. It says her husband rises up and praises her. It says the Lord praises her. 
So I said, bless God, I'm going to dig into this. And you know what's amazing? I dug into that virtuous woman, and I researched her inside and out. And in no way does the Bible ever mention her outer appearance. It never mentions her outer appearance in any capacity. And I thought, God help us. We live in a culture where we place all the emphasis on an outer appearance. We place all the emphasis on size and how I look and what do people think of me and how's my image. But God said, that's not how I look at women. That's, that's not what a virtuous woman has nothing to do with the outer. Go home and read it. It has everything to do with the inner. It has to do with that woman who says, no, I'm going to honor him because I'm going to honor God. When we came together, God wants him to lead. I shouldn't hold a fiscal relationship over his head and use it to punish him. That's wrong. Companionship. I do need to be his friend. And he needs peace at home. He's out there in that old world. He needs to be a haven of peace. I want to please the Lord. Now, here's what I want to say. I say this to every couple here. Every couple, I want you to understand. 35 years ago, when I got married, I realized something. God brought Barbara and I together for the kingdom. And God brought you and your maid together. Whether you realized or not, it's for kingdom purposes. It's about you can accomplish more for the kingdom together than you could, than you could alone. There, there is no Pastor Benny without Miss Barbara. There is none. There is none. Because God brought us together for kingdom purposes. And God brought you and your mate together for kingdom purposes. Yesterday, I was in Tifton, Georgia. I spent the day training pastors. Some of them would walk up to me and almost like they were apologizing and they'd say I just pastor a, a little old church and I said listen to me closely pastors your greatest accomplishment may not be the church you build it may be the child you raise it may not be the church you build it may be the child you raise but either way, God brought you and your mate together for kingdom purposes. You say, I don't know why we're together. I'll tell you why. You're together for God's kingdom. You're together to sow into other people. You're together to bless other people. You're together to make a difference in God's kingdom. That's why he brought you together. That's the reason. 
You say, well, he's got flaws. Well, you do too. And God takes people and just brings them together. You say, why does God use people that are messed up? English teachers, put your fingers in your ears. He uses people that are messed up because they ain't no other kind. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin, and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make and thank you for being with us today. God bless you and we'll see you soon.